You are tuned into the Dr. Tina Show with Dr. Tina Moore. For more, visit drtina.com. On this episode of the Dr. Tina Show, I'm going to be sharing with you why I refuse to play Pandemic this round. I noticed about two weeks ago that there was some rumblings of the lockdowns and the pandemic mandates and all of the nonsense coming back around. And of course, immediately, my DMs filled up and my emails and everybody started contacting me, freaking out, wanting me to jump back into this arena that I had been fighting valiantly in for the past several years. And I found myself not caring at all. And I know that sounds callous and cold, so I wanted to do a podcast episode and explain myself. And I also wanted to explain a little bit about how this transpired over the past few years and what I think is coming, what I think it means, and then I'm not talking about it anymore. I'm not interested in talking about this anymore. I think we are dealing with a lot of theatrics and a lot of show, and I think it's for political reasons, and I think it's for reasons that some people cannot even comprehend that I don't want to get into, that are nefarious. And while I've shared my sort of prospect on what's coming down the chute with my private membership portal, Resiliency University, and I will continue to share in there because we're behind a paywall, so it's censorship-free. I'm not talking about this on social media. I firmly believe that they will be cutting the heads off of anybody talking about this on social media. And what I've realized over the past three years was that going to bat consistently on this topic did very little to change any outcomes whatsoever, but in fact, cost me greatly. It cost me my health. It cost me my happiness. It cost me my joy. It cost me almost my medical license. It cost me greatly. And while I stand proud in the past of what I've done, because I was not going to stand by while injustice was being served, I was not going to have my daughter see me cower to the woke mob. At the end of the day, they're just going to keep repeating this. And I'm just not doing it anymore. So I want to share with you kind of some backstory and some future casting, and hopefully you'll enjoy it. I promise not to take too much of your time today, but I am not playing pandemic this round. Hey, functional and integrative healthcare practitioners, listen up. I've got something for you. Back in the day, I used to stock an entire wall's worth of lab kits for each specialty lab that I ran on patients. It took up so much room. Each kit had different instructions and it was a very tiresome process. On top of that, I would spend forever having to chase down the lab results once they came in by logging into all the different portals and websites. It was honestly a total time suck, and time is money after all. But now there's a better way to order lab tests that I'm excited to share with you. Rupa Health is a tool that lets you order from over 30 specialty labs in a single portal. You can order all the tests that you normally do from companies such as Dutch, Vibrant, Diagnostic Solutions, and more. Rupa eliminates all the headaches by having all ordering, tracking, and results in a single place. And they also handle invoices, tracking shipments, automated follow-up, personalized instructions for completing the tests, and so much more. They can even facilitate convenient blood draws for your patients. The best part about Rupa is that it's free for practitioners. Signing up only took me a few minutes and the website is very user-friendly. Plus, all of your patients' labs can be found under one single platform. Go to rupahealth.com, that's R-U-P-A health.com to join a live demo or sign up and see how it works. And if you're simply a listener looking to order your own labs, I have a selection of tests at nearly wholesale prices that you can check out on my website at drtina.com forward slash labs. I know a lot of you want me to get into the arena and fight, and here's what it feels like. I read a great substack by, I believe it was Jessica Rose, and she shared how Every single time one of her colleagues dropped into her inbox and said, thank you for fighting. Thank you for being so brave. Thank you for saying the things I want to say, but I can't. Thank you. Thank you. All it did was piss her off. And I have to say, I completely agree with that. To have hundreds of people stand in the bleachers and applaud 
applaud me while I'm taking arrows in the arena, fighting for what's right. And then I go to their pages and they're not doing diddly squat. It, it, it invokes a sense of rage because I'm tired of taking arrows for everybody else's entertainment. It doesn't change anything. The cowards are still cowards. The folks who like to, you know, get their dopamine hits off of fear, constant fear, regardless of what side they're on, the folks who love that dopamine hit are still going to love it. The folks who want the sensationalism still want the sensationalism. And I just personally have no interest in participating with it. I believe at this point that we are dealing with some version of a PSYOP, and I am not participating in the psychosis any further. This is not to say that I don't believe there's a virus. I do believe in viruses. For all the people out there who don't believe in viruses, you're welcome to your opinion. I don't want to fight with you. I don't care. I'm not debating it. I also believe the earth is round. I understand that something is making people very sick, but something makes people very sick every year during upper respiratory season. So whatever that is, virus, whatever, it comes around every winter and droves of people die. And if you look at excess deaths and you look at the charts across the world, we've had a skyrocketing excess death rate since 2021. And 2020 actually wasn't that big of a blip on most countries' radar. Why was the U.S. hit so hard? We are severely metabolically unfit. We are severely metabolically unsound. And we have stacks of data at this point, a little bit I'm going to share about in a moment, concluding without question that exercise is protective, significantly protective. Any exercise, just moving, just getting off your ass and doing something every day was significantly protective. And I've got some stats for you that I'm going to share that are mind-boggling and the fact that that is not the conversation on the table, the fact that that is not the conversation we're all having, the fact that it's just mask up, get your boosters, hide, stay away from each other, listen to the government, do what we tell you, is lunacy to me. It's absolutely lunacy. If you subscribe to that and you want to stay locked up in your house for the rest of your life, by all means, that's fine. If you want to wear a mask for the rest of your life, by all means, wear a mask. If you want to take all the vaccines in the world, take them. I have never told anybody not to get vaccinated. I don't care. <laughs> and that's really where I'm at at this point. I just don't care anymore. I have beat the drum incessantly. We are a severely metabolically ill country, and it is costing us greatly with more than just COVID, with more than just influenza deaths. It's costing us, in 2020, we had three times as many cardiovascular deaths as we did COVID deaths. And nobody talked about that. We had twice as many cancer deaths. Do you know what is driving the cardiovascular disease state in this country and what's driving the cancer rates? A huge amount of it is being driven by poor metabolic health. And I've talked about that on several past episodes you can go check out. So until the main dish on the table is exercise, eat well, take care of yourself, get your health in order, get your health house in order, build resilience, I'm not giving into the psychosis anymore. And that's from either side. The folks that want me to get all jazzed up, the DMs I get, can you come into my post and argue with this doctor that's in there because he's really giving me a hard time. I'm like, I don't know you lady and I don't care. <laughs> no, I'm not going to come into your fight because I, I don't have that kind of adrenaline left inside of me. I am trying to age gracefully, enjoy my time on this planet and not get into fights anymore. Um, for those trying to tag me into posts and those trying to drop into my DMs and demand I send them references. Oh, Tina, you cited this study in 2021. I need to know what it is. I have to go fight with my HR department. No, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not doing it again. I have a sub stack. It's, some of it's paid behind a paywall, 20 bucks a month, not even 20 bucks a month, cheap. Most of it's free. And Every reference you need is inside there. So yes, you're going to have to dig. And yes, there's a ton of references that I scatter throughout this podcast. You're going to have to dig. I'm not a librarian for you anymore. I'm not your personal, you know, thug 
to send in so that you can go argue. If you need to pony up with a lawyer to fight whatever's coming down the chute, then pony up with a lawyer, do it right this time. But we need more people saying no. We need more people saying not again. We need more people armed with information, not just because it's coming out of my mouth, but because you're actually taking the time to do the work to dig. It's bad, it's just as bad when people just take what I say at face value. Not that I'm ever intentionally misleading you, I have references for everything I say. I have good data to support it, but I think it's just as bad to take what I'm saying at face value and then turn around and start arguments with people about it. And then you guys send them to me. And then they come onto my page. And you know what happens? They dox me. They come in droves and they report my account or they come into my email and start attacking me. So I wake up in the morning and I open my email and there's like a novel from somebody who got sent some post I made or some podcast they heard of mine and they want to fight. I don't want to fight anymore because I don't care enough to fight anymore. I'm going to fight for my own personal autonomy and that of my families. I'm going to fight for my land. I'm going to fight for my freedom, that of my direct family and of mine. And beyond that, outside of that, maybe a few select friends, I'm not the girl. So that's what I want to share today. And I'm going to give you a little bit of backstory so you understand. If you're new to me, uh, welcome. I've gotten a lot of new followers lately and a lot of new listeners on the podcast, and I appreciate y'all being here. I am fiery and I'm up for a good rumble, but this is not it. This is not the best use of my energy. All the people who did not stand up last time need to step in. I'm an old general and I'm retiring. If you want your freedoms, if you want to maintain medical autonomy, if you want this nonsense to not persist, you all have to stand up. I saw a little boy at school today uh, on a video that's going around Instagram and he had that don't tread on me flag. And that's a flag that was carried during the Revolutionary War as a sign of freedom from the British. And it was being misconstrued by the department of whoever was running the education gig at this school in Colorado as uh, racist and white supremacist. That's incorrect. But the mom went in and stood up for the son and the son stood his ground. And good for these children. I've seen multiple children stand their ground and young people. But I'm, I have, and I've seen parents go to bat at school board meetings. You know, you see the videos online. I saw a whole lot of people be quiet during COVID. I saw a whole lot of people say, oh, I can't say anything. I could lose my job. I could lose my license. No shit, me too. I lost hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue because I stood up. I was politically targeted because I stood up. I got death threats because I stood up. I was so sick that I almost completely lost my health for a time there because I stood up. Racked with chronic pain because I flared my autoimmune disease because of all the stress. Everyone else needs to sacrifice that too, not just me. It's not just, oh, yay, Tina's so brave. Let's applaud her while she takes arrows in the arena and lets the lions rip her apart while we stand in the bleachers. And and to that note, even inside my DMs, like I'm sorry, on my comments, on my posts, I would start getting attacked viciously and very few people would come in and rally for me. And I know that my followers are brave and I know that they're a spunky bunch, but I still was shocked at the lack of support that I needed, that I got when I needed it most. It, it, lots of emails, lots of emails saying, I'm, I was scared to do anything and you've been brave and thank you, but I can't say anything because I'll lose my job. <laughs> uh, my license was on the chopping block for a long time, guys. I had my profession after me in the thick of it. I don't know what data they were reading because they were wrong, but trust me, if, if anyone could have come for me, they all came for me at different periods of time. So... Until everybody's willing to make that sacrifice, I am no longer willing to make it. I will keep the members of my private membership portal abreast. I will talk with them every month. We have an Ask Me Anything call and I'll be in there live and I'll answer the questions I get as I see fit, as I'm comfortable. Uh, I will stay up with the data and I will share it there, but I'm I'm not bringing it all over the place anymore. That's all I'm saying. So as a resource, my Resiliency University is awesome. You can sign up 
I'll put the link in the show notes. They're always in the show notes. It's always there. It's always on my website. You guys can sign up there. Um, that's a community I've built since 2020. It's behind a paywall. It's censorship free. And we can really talk about the things that are important and on those people's minds. And it's a, it's a community of people who are like-minded, which I know is really difficult to find nowadays. But this, as far as like the sensationalism, the I told you so's, the little ego boosts I would give myself when I would see a data supporting what I'd been saying all these t- years, uh, I'm not posting that on social media anymore. I'm not going to bat on social media. My job on social media is to show up consistently share high quality information with you guys and teach you guys how to be resilient. That's my job here as well. Uh, I want to bring joy to people. I don't want to just consistently bring bad news or give people that dopamine hit because they're looking for that sensationalism. I want to bring you joy. I want to bring you information. I'm going to give it to you straight like I always do, but I'm not playing pandemic. So I got some notes here (laughs) so I don't rant on. And I can't see without my glasses. If I put my glasses on, you guys on YouTube are going to see a pretty heavy glare because I've got a window. I had to move my whole podcast setup. It's kind of a bummer. I had a great podcast setup, but we were getting some noise interference. So we're moving it around. I'm still working on it. We haven't gotten the final thing in play yet. But so going back to 2020, I've shared this story before, but I was um, I was a long hauler. Like I have dealt with chronic viral post-viral syndrome since I was 19 and I have dedicated a large part of my brain to understanding viruses and how viruses work. And so I was actually really familiar with coronaviruses in particular. Um, I was hit with cytomegalovirus when I was 19. It about took me out. It's a very common virus that most people get and just kind of blow through. And for some reason, it really knocked me on my socks. It's in the same family as Epstein-Barr, which is also in the same family as herpes viruses. So really common and transmissible. And I got hit really hard when I was 19. Why? I was severely immunocompromised. Why? Because I took shitty care of myself. I chain smoked. I stayed up all night. I was skin and bones. I had no respect for my body, my health. Um, I honestly thought I was going to be dead by the time I was 25. So I just wasn't terribly interested in doing anything about it. I have no idea why I thought that, but that was kind of this curse I'd carried with me. And I took terrible care of myself. I lived off of Snapple and Sun Chips and I, you know, was consistently ill. I was that girl. That's why it's really ironic that I am who I am today and that I teach you guys what I teach you because I was that girl. I mean, anything and everything that came through, I was that girl that got sick. I got sick with everything and I didn't just get a little version. I got a gnarly version. And so I spent a lot of years chronically ill So when people tell me they're immunocompromised, I believe them, of course, it's not my job to judge and say, oh, no, you're not. But sometimes we are intentionally immunocompromised, like we put ourselves there. And I know that is triggering for some to hear, but it's the truth. Sometimes we put ourselves into our chronic states. Very often, actually, we eat ourselves there. We live lifestyles that get us there and we do that to ourselves, you know? And so that's a hard pill to swallow, but... The really cool part of that is when you realize that you're like, oh, wait, this is my game to change, right? I write the script. I can change this. I've done some long-term damage to my body, I'm sure. But, and I have a funny immune system. It doesn't always react the way I expect, but pretty consistently I can call it at this point, which is cool. And I mean, shoot, I can't tell you how cool it is just to like, know I'm going to get a cold and it's just going to be a cold. It used to be a cold that turned into like a nightmare and turned into pneumonia. And then I was dying on three different antibiotics and everyone else just like was over the cold, right? So now I get a cold and I'm like, woohoo. <laughs> and that's only been honestly the past five or six years that I can say that where I'm like, I got a normal cold and I got through it in a few days, just like I did when I was a kid. I was a really tough, strong kid too. So it was ironic that I just fell off the deep end somewhere in my teen years. Anyway, 2020 hit and I knew what I knew. And I knew that A, aerosolized viruses are not stopped by masks. I'm sorry if that's upsetting to some I don't understand this charade about the mass, to be quite honest with you. I have not ever understood it. We have several good studies showing that they don't work and, in fact, in various ways cause harm. I don't want to get into that. I probably will write a Substack blog about that at some point, putting all that data in. But um, I'm just, it's like throwing a bunch of sand through a chain link fence. That's literally the pore size on these cloth and even paper masks that everyone's wearing. 
So, I mean, maybe best case scenario, maybe if you're wearing an N95, like completely glued to your face, you are the wearer, the person wearing the mask is maybe getting about a 1% improvement of protection. Maybe. But these paper cloth masks and the, you know, little surgical masks, those are not doing anything. You guys, I wore a surgical mask in practice. I did injection therapies. I did procedures on people all day long. These were not quite minor surgery, but surely close enough. And I did do some minor surgeries on the regular. And we wore the mask so that we didn't spittle on the patient. It was important to me to be in communication with the patient to make sure that they were doing okay as I was proceeding. And I would like to hear from them. I would have them tell me about their dog or their kids, just so I could get their mind off the fact that I was inducing pain upon them. And I didn't want them to spit all over the field because sometimes we're spitters. <laughs> especially as we get older, we start, especially hypothyroid folks, their tongues get thick, their lips start to uh, lose the ability to really have good tension. And we, you know, people spit more. And so that's literally it. It was so nobody sneezed or spit all over the, the clean field or the semi-sterile field or the sterile field that I had created. That's it. That's what those are for. They are not to keep viruses in or out. I'm sorry if that is upsetting to some. It is utterly a ridiculous charade to see everybody in this chronic hypoxic state, low-grade hypoxia is just as bad as high-grade short-term hypoxia, in my opinion. It really depends on the length of it. We don't have good data on that, but I'm telling you, restricting oxygen to your brain for an extensive period of time is not a good idea. And then the N95s, unless they are literally glued to your face and fit perfectly, they're still only good for maybe up to 40 minutes before the humidity inside the mask breaches the barrier and they are no longer the protection you thought they were. So that's real data, you guys. That's real facts. I'm not making that up. So when all the masks were happening, I was like, huh, uh, they're not stopping an aerosolized virus. But nobody would talk about it being aerosolized. It was droplet. It's not, you guys, it's aerosolized. Any, I have a whole bookshelf right next to me full of medical books. And any one of these books that have virus information in them before 2020 will tell you that coronaviruses are aerosolized. Meaning you walk into an elevator and there's a plume of aerosol from a group of people who were in there prior to you, you will be breathing in their aerosol. The, the money and effort should honestly be spent on great air filters. Get some great air filters. I've got some air filters that I love linked in on my website under the favorites tab. You can check that out and save money by going there. But man, get some good air ventilation in the room. And now we've got a much better protective mechanism against aerosolized viruses. That is the truth. There is no agenda here. I'm not some crazy right-winger anti-masker. I just understand science. <laughs> and in Oregon, where I live, in Portland in particular, it became a social justice movement. If you're not wearing your mask, you are a right-winger, uh, you know, psycho, racist, terrible human being. It's, it's a sign of compliance and it's a sign of belonging to a community of people who are doing the right thing. Um, it's not doing anything though, you guys, especially when you're alone at the bus stop by yourself. It doesn't make any sense. Even the people driving around in cars by themselves wearing them makes a tiny bit of sense to me because maybe they are an Uber driver and someone's going to be getting in the car with them in a minute and they're trying to decrease the aerosol, but these viruses are so tiny they still get through. If you think about the size of a coronavirus in comparison to even an influenza virus and how pervasive an influenza virus is, it's like comparing a bus to a bicycle. That's how the coronaviruses are so tiny. So anyway, those are my thoughts on masks. Then they shut down the gyms. And if I know anything, because I rebuilt my health and my body from, I'm talking chronic immunocompromised, underweight, sick all the time. I told you, I'm talking pneumonia every winter, deep, low bar, walking pneumonia. That's why I was so skinny. I had pneumonia all the time. I just wasted away. Exercise is protective. And we have the data on influenza, we, which is a similar type of virus. It's a double-stranded RNA virus um, with the same kind of nuclear capsid, similar not exactly the same. I'm not saying coronavirus is the flu and that the they just re, you know, repurpose the flu. I I don't agree with that narrative. I do think something specific was go, has been going around. Um but 
exercise is protective. And when they shut down all ways to exercise, especially where I live now, this is coming from Oregon, you guys, all of you listening around the world right now, this is coming out of Oregon, which was easily one of the worst places to endure all of this. Uh, I have people uh, I've talked to all over the world who travel all the time for work, uh, airline stewards and stewardesses, uh, attendants, I'm sorry, that's the old terms, airline attendants. And they have all, <laughs> I've heard from so many people like, oh my God, Oregon is the worst. Portland is the worst for all of this. Like people really, really got into the narrative here. And so I'm speaking from that angle. I know some of you did not play ban- pandemic ever where you lived and you're just like, would you shut up, Tina? And you have to understand we lived in like a different world, like a completely different reality here. And it, some people are, are very much still living it and probably elated that all of this is coming back potentially. And, um, So that's the perspective that I'm speaking from. Do you feel stuck in a rut? Is something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? Is stress becoming overwhelming? Regardless of if you have a clinical mental health issue like depression or anxiety, or if you're just a human who lives in this zany world and is having a hard time navigating it all, therapy can give you the tools to approach your life in a very different way. That's why I'm excited to partner with BetterHelp. BetterHelp's mission is to make therapy more affordable and accessible. And this is an important mission because finding a therapist can be really hard and time consuming, especially if you're limited to the options in your local area. BetterHelp is a platform that makes finding a therapist easier because it's online, it's remote, and by filling out a few quick questions, BetterHelp can match you to a professional therapist in as little as a few days. It's easy to sign up and get matched with the therapist via the link in my show notes. That's betterhelp.com forward slash Dr. Tina. Listeners of the Dr. Tina show get 10% off the first month of BetterHelp so you can connect with a therapist and see if it works for you. And because finding a therapist is a little bit like dating, if you don't fit well with the first one, which is not unheard of, you can easily switch to a new one with no additional cost without stressing over insurance or who's in network, etc. I used to think therapy was only for people with big issues, but I've come to realize that we all could use a little help now and then. We are living in unprecedented times, and I found that having someone objective to talk to is hugely beneficial when it comes to managing my stress load. An outside perspective is often all it takes for me to process my emotions in a more healthy way, which ultimately leads to more success in all areas of my life, including my relationships with others. Click on the link in the show notes now to visit betterhelp.com forward slash Dr. Tina. That's betterhelp.com forward slash D-R-T-Y-N-A. So closing gyms made absolutely no sense. Shutting down parks, filling in skate parks with sand and cement, um, boarding up basketball hoops, all of that was just lunacy to me, just utter lunacy. And I knew something was up then. So I'm not going to get into the conspiracies of what is potentially up, but it didn't make sense. Let's just put it that way. So let's go back to talking about the coronaviruses for a second. They mutate readily. They will always mutate readily, and that's what they do. They're very good at it. That's probably better than any virus. They love to mutate. They will always mutate, and they will always get around whatever barriers you put into place. As I joke, viruses are going to virus. I have, a, I have tank tops that say that. I don't know if we have any more in the store available, but if we do, they're on sale. So they're going to mutate, and they're readily so, and they're going to recombine, and they're going to create all kinds of havoc. The strains that are coming through currently that everyone's freaking out about and saying to mask up, we're seeing masks come back. That's why I'm making this episode. We're seeing masks come back in different colleges, different hospital systems, different countries. (laughs) It's still going to mutate around it. It doesn't matter how many, uh, you know, we can't talk about them here, but the, the juicy juice, the poke, it doesn't matter because this video is gonna go up on YouTube and that's a whole other thing. It doesn't matter how many of those we come up with, how consistently, it's still gonna get around them. It's always gonna get around them. So the variants that are circulating currently that everyone are freaking out about is actually more transmissible, meaning it's easier to catch. They're going to get consistently more transmissible. Mind you, Virology 101, they don't wanna kill their host. Viruses want to use your machinery to replicate. So they need your body to be working and they need you not dead. So they're not actually trying to kill people. It's the body's 
it's the individual's immune response and cytokine response and overzealous response that is ultimately leading to folks' demise. It's their unhealthy body that is getting exacerbated. And I'm not blaming anyone. Again, I clarify, disclaimer here, I'm not blaming anybody for where they're at in their current health journey. But when we're in an unhealthy state, we're more prone to inflammation, we're more prone to immunocompromise for various reasons. You know, viruses are going to have a heyday and unfortunately things are going to misfire and we're going to end up in trouble. So most folks who had a heart, I, I don't know anyone who, I mean, shoot, my dad survived this. My dad, there's no way my dad sh- should have survived this. And he did. We had the we had the ivermectin and the tools on hand though. So that's a whole other story I'm not even going to get into. Ivermectin works. We have the data on that. I've seen it work. It's so does hydroxychloroquine. Uh, hydroxychloroquine, like I was so excited how well hydroxychloroquine worked for me in particular. And not everything's going to work the same for everyone. I was so thrilled with it. I was like, I remember looking at my husband. I'm like, damn, I now have tools for any upper respiratory virus season. This is really phenomenal. So we were denied those therapies and that's a whole other tunnel to go down someday potentially. But the point being is it's going to virus. It's going to get itself around whatever barriers we put up, no matter how many barriers we bring. It's going to continue to mutate. Now, these strains going around are actually less, they're causing less morbidity, meaning less illness. They're making people less sick and they are much more contagious. And that is exactly how this should proceed. This is how viruses should behave. They should become more transmissible, more contagious, less virulent, less morbidity, less mortality. And that's exactly what's happening. So why are we making such a big deal out of it? Every winter, upper respiratory season, as I call it, the winter crud makes its way through and people get sick and some people get really sick and some people die and it happens every single winter. And the elderly are particularly susceptible. This is how populations of mammals get kept in check, right? As brutal as it sounds, I I don't know how many people... Maybe people aren't like watching the Animal Planet channel <laughs> growing up like I did, but nature is brutal. Nature is a hang and judge. There's a couple Instagram accounts like Nature is Metal uh, is one of them. And it, I mean, nature is brutal. I, I saw a video of a coyote today with the entire top half of its face gnawed off or rotted off and he still was kicking. He was still trying to find food, foraging, walking around, trying to hunt. I mean, nature is brutal, and yet we somehow think like, oh, if we hide from a virus that we can't hide from, because it will eventually make its way through air ducts and everything else, if we hide forever, then we'll be fine, and everyone who isn't doing all the things are terrible people. And if you get, I remember even back in 2021, when if you got sick with it, you were somehow unclean, you were a bad person. I was like, are you kidding me? The amount of crap I took from people when I came out in 2020, early 2020, and I said, everybody's going to get exposed to this and everybody's probably going to get it at some point. People were enraged at me over this basic concept of virology. They were so mad at me. They called me every name on the planet. And I'm like, how am I the bad guy? Everyone's still going to get it. I'm sorry for saying the obvious that our public health authorities are refusing to tell you, but it doesn't matter how long you hide or how hard you hide. Everybody's still going to get exposed somehow. Somehow, right? That's just how it goes. So anyway, very, very, very uh, dodgy virus that knows how to weave and dodge, morph and change and mutate is always going to get around the barriers that we put in place. I mean, the biggest joke was those plexiglass dividers. Oh, God, I just, oh, it just gives me PTSD to even think about going into stores and seeing those stickers on the ground and the dividers. And then, you know, people who were severely unhealthy saying, would you put your mask on? I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm the least contagious person in here. So let's talk about that a minute. When you are metabolically sound and you're healthy and your immune system's working, you're actually probably the best person to give a virus. If they're going to get it, it's better to come out of your body than it is to come out of somebody unhealthy's body. People who are severely immunocompromised or incredibly inflamed or are living in a very obesogenic state are going to be, and we have the data on this, this is not my opinion, this is in mouse studies and human studies, going back, looking at influenza, the cocktail of a virus soup that comes out of these bodies is more virulent and causes more morbidity to lean counterparts. Meaning 
a healthy individual is going to process and expel a virus much lower. Viral content will come out of them for much shorter time, and it will be far less virulent than coming out of a very unhealthy person. So if you're of very good health standing, you're probably, I'd rather get it from you, to be honest. If you're in terrible health and you're carrying around a lot of inflammatory adipose tissue, which harbors the virus, uh, we have data showing those folks have much higher viral loads. They carry virus for much longer periods of time. And the virus that comes out of them, the cocktail, if you will, that comes out of them is actually more virulent to their lean counterparts. This is not a dig at folks who are carrying around excess weight. This is just the science. And I really mean no harm by it. This is something, a message I've been trying to get across and I've got called every name in the book. And I, it, it needs to be understood. This is why I don't hang out with people who are unhealthy. I've been called names for that too. I've been that way for years though. Cause remember I told you I was that girl who got sick all the time. I learned this a long time ago from my mentor and I saw the data on it to some degree while I was in medical school. And then we really had conclusive data on it for influenza in the you know 2013 to 2018 period. I don't hang out in groups of really unhealthy people. And Portland is full of some of the most unhealthy people I've ever seen in my life. And so going to a concert or going to a venue or going somewhere where it's really crowded, generally speaking, it's gonna be a very unhealthy group of people. And I'm just not down with that. So unless it's outdoors, this is pre-COVID. I just wasn't super stoked on going into crowds, especially in the winter, especially when upper respiratory season's happening. You know, fall, winter, I wasn't keen on hanging out with super unhealthy folks. Now, that's just, you know, folks that I knew were inflamed. I can look at somebody and tell they're inflamed. That's not a hard one to figure out. So I have always been that way. And uh, it's made me a little bit of a hermit because my immune system was so wonky and funny. But that's just what it is. I just kind of accepted when I got on planes during the winter that I was probably going to get off sick. And I, lo and behold, usually was. So maybe it was self-fulfilling prophecy, but I caught everything. <laughs> and I did not have a trustworthy immune system. And so I had to be really, really, really careful. And I, I share all of this because it's experiential. All right. So what else? Oh, something else interesting about coronaviruses all coronaviruses, they are very adept at shutting down certain parts of your immune system that are the early monitoring system and the early stop mark of replication. So there's a couple different enzymes and a couple different processes, interferon, et cetera, in the body that coronaviruses are very adept at just shutting off. So you don't know invaders are in the castle, if you will. And so by the time your body figures it out, and this really happened with COVID, uh, by the time your body figures this out, your immune system has already kind of, it, it freaks out. So that cytokine storm people were getting hammered with was basically the secondary immune system finally getting the signal that there was an invader in the castle. Only by then the invader had replicated to high, high, high titers, we call them, high levels. And then the immune system like freaks the F out and melts the individual. I mean, that's quite literally what's happening with a cytokine storm. And doctors can't turn that off. People say, oh, well, the doctors didn't do anything. Yeah, they literally can't stop your immune system from freaking out on itself. So maybe early on, and there's protocols for that, right? Like I use very, very low-dose prednisone when I had COVID very low dose. And it was a game changer, right? And we weren't even allowed to talk about prednisone in the beginning, which was so weird, but turns out it can be quite effective, right? We don't want to inhibit the immune system with too much, but things like ibuprofen, aspirin, prednisone, we're starting to see some of those show up in some of these protocols, effective protocols. And I wish they had been shared earlier on, but there was specifically printed material I was reading during the beginning of COVID saying, don't use those. And I was like, are you kidding? Like standard of care is to keep the immune system from not freaking out. There's a, there's a fine, it's a, it's a, it's a dance, right? We want to use nutraceuticals, supplements, herbs, some pharmaceuticals, and we want to dance the immune system through the process. And it's a good 14 day process usually with some of these things. So we want to mitigate that gently and get that immune system to work in concert <laughs> and effectively not freak out you know, not freak the F out. So that is in a nutshell what's happening. And so 
if the virus itself is shutting down some of these mechanisms, the person's in trouble and that can be problematic. So that's part of why coronaviruses can be so absolutely um, dodgy is because they're mechanistically designed to sneak around and get in the castle and start doing their jam inside of your cellular milieu. Now, if your cellular milieu is solid, it's going to have no problem picking it up, notif notifying the troops, clearing it out. But if your milieu is all inflamed and mucked up, you're going to have a hard time, right? And then we blame doctors. It's not the doctor's fault. It's the person not preparing their body for upper respiratory season. All right, I've already talked about masks. I don't want to get into the whole pokey poke conversation. I'm going to write a substack about that, but I will say this. Um... A proper PARQ is not ever allowed to be given. A PARQ, by law, any doctor that introduces a therapy to you as an option is legally obligated to give you a PARQ. Ideally, this would be verbal and written. I'll tell you what a PARQ is so that you're armed. Procedure or drug or intervention. You Then the A basically stands for any alternatives. Is there any alternative to this? In this case, natural immunity would be an alternative. Have you already had COVID? Have you already built antibodies? Natural immunity is just crushing it right now, guys. Trust me, the studies are out. We have had the studies for a long time. Of course, we knew that was going to be the case. It, that's the other big clue to me that we were in for a ringer because they were vilifying natural immunity. I'm like, come on, seriously. <laughs> I just couldn't get any more stupid than that. At that point, I was like, I'm out. I don't know. I don't know what to say. This is ridiculous. So alternatives, that's the A. So you got to ask about alternatives. R is risks and Q is questions. Now, I don't know about you, but everybody I talked to were not really given the R and the Q part. There was no questions to be asked. If you asked any questions, you were a terrible human and you were an anti-vaxxer and you should go to hell. And if you asked if, about the risks, it was kind of hard for the doctor to tell you because they were all give, being given propagandized information by the pharmaceutical industries. The pharmaceutical industries were providing the education on the efficacy and safety of the intervention. And the inserts for the bottles, I have this out of several pharmacists' mouths, were blank. So how are we supposed to tell you the risks when we don't even know them as physicians, right? So a PARQ, a proper PARQ is not even allowed to be had. I don't know why no one's talking about this. I don't know why the lawyers haven't ponied up on this, but there was literally no way to do the appropriate medical process. So next time you go to have something done, you ask for a PARQ if they don't give it to you and you ask for it written and you ask for it verbally. And now you have, that's the pearl of the day. I hope that if this is all as far as you get into the podcast, <laughs> I hope that was helpful. Make sure you have a PARQ. I'm talking for anything, whether they give you a statin or an aspirin or they want to adjust your neck, ask for a PARQ if you want to have it. Okay. And make sure it's done properly. So what we knew about exercise then was fairly compelling. What we know about exercise now is baffling. I'm going to share a study with you from the British Medical Journal Sports uh, Journal from 2021, and I'll put this one in the link in particular, 31% reduced risk of hospital admission with exercise. These people exercised minimally. I think it was 150 minutes a week. It was nothing much. And it didn't matter what kind. It didn't matter if it was a lot or a little. I will say, I'm going to do a whole episode on this. Doing highly oxidative exercise is problematic. If you're running marathons or doing like huge bicycling events or you're way overdoing it in the gym or you're doing a lot of like Orange Theory boot camp style CrossFit, highly metabolic, that's also highly oxidative. Viruses like coronavirus and others that induce an inflammatory wasting state in your body love the oxidative state. And that really starts that fire. So if you're in a pro-oxidative state, meaning an inflamed state, and you and that fire gets lit, whew. so this is why you've heard me say, if you followed me a long time, be really careful about the kind of oxidative stress you put on your body via exercise. But exercise was 31% uh, had a reduced risk of hospital admission, a 41% reduced risk of ICU admission. 41%, you guys, I don't know any therapeutic or intervention that can come even close to that. 45% reduced risk of ending up on a ventilator and a 42% reduced risk of death. 
That was a 2021 study. I bet none of y'all heard about, unless you were following me and maybe Mike Mutzel. Sean Stevenson, we, we were talking about exercise the whole time. But as for your 95% efficacy, please throw that out the window for your intervention that, you know, several were coerced to take. Uh, that that efficacy didn't hold. It wasn't real. It was relative risk reduction, not absolute risk reduction. You were scammed on that and uh, it quickly dropped. And that's just, that's data that's out there. This isn't anything I'm making up. This is data that's anywhere and pretty readily found. Okay. As for what's coming, as I've said before, I have absolutely no concern for those of us who did not get the intervention. We're fine. Our immune systems are working and we probably all have natural immunity and rock on. Like, I think it's, it might be a little, <laughs> you know, uh, it might be a little bit more than that, depending on your age and how inflamed you are and how good or poor of health you're in. But I think it's probably not going to be too bad. Now, Delta rocked my socks. Not any, actually, I've had worse flus. Uh, my husband, but you know, I'm the girl that always got sick. My husband got very ill, very, very ill. And it was concerning. It was so concerning that I went to my parents and I tried to convince my dad to actually get the vaccine because I was like, my very obese diabetic dad was not going to make it through this. And he said, heck no. And he, they were great. They actually didn't get anything until Omicron. My mom never, she went out, little cute little thing. She went out and did her, lived her life and ran her errands and went to the grocery store. She was careful. But um, I mean, both of them are have their health issues that really should have taken them right out. So if my dad survived this, that's when I was like, come on, guys, this is the response to this is a scam that I fully understand that COVID is real. I've said that a million times. I understand that people died. I'm not making any light of that at all. I'm not making any, uh, no disrespect to anybody, but I mean, come on, the response to this was a joke. As for those who have gotten the intervention, there is some concern about immune function, and we've got several studies on that. One just came out just a few days ago on children, and my biggest concern is exactly what the study showed, which was that their immune response was not only markedly diminished in response to this virus, but to common bacteria and viruses in general and fungus. So my concern is kind of, I don't know if you guys have seen Last of Us on HBO, but my concern is a, a population of uh, severe immunocompromised to all things, and that's going to impact all of us somehow, some way. So I, I won't go any further. I'm going to write about it in a substack behind a paywall, behind us, you know, in a censorship-free zone, because I'm very concerned about that. And I'm sorry, I don't have anything miraculous to say to make anybody feel better. If you have taken the intervention, I am not trying to scare you, but there is conclusive data on certain levels of immunocompromise following. That's real. Again, not making any of this up. I'll have all that referenced in a Substack shortly. As for the whole, I got to just throw this in on an aside because it's driving me nuts. <laughs> this whole like spike protein melter, like there's a bunch of people who have no medical credentials whatsoever and some who do have medical credentials supporting particular companies that are selling the some kind of like take this and it'll dissolve your spike proteins. I understand they're bringing hope to people, but I'm seeing a whole lot of influencers making false claims, people who have no medical background whatsoever, who just have big followings, making ridiculous false claims. This is what I know. I have a lot of experience with high-dose enzymes. High-dose enzymes as a therapeutic intervention for all kinds of issues, cardiovascular disease, pain, musculoskeletal pain in particular. I've been using high-dose enzymes like Wobenzyme and others since the 90s. I was mentored up by a brilliant naturopathic physician long before I ever got a medical license. High-dose enzymes are taken by themselves, and they are taken in very high doses, and they are taken consistently throughout the day. They have to be taken away from food, and they are so damn expensive that it's cost prohibitive for most people to actually keep up that kind of dosage. So these spike protein dissolvers with a little bit of enzymatic action in there with some natokinase and then some other nutraceuticals to me looks like garbage formulating. I think they're I think people are wasting their money on them. 
If you wanna crank high dose enzymes, then go crank high dose enzymes and study up on it and find somebody who can help you do that. Find a health professional that can help you do that. It's quite safe, but it can cause a little stomach upset. But um, like, again, it has to be high dose, really high dose. Usually they're enterically coated. They have to be away from food and they have to be taken all day long. The other caveat is if you go back and listen to I think it's episode 30 and 31. It's with Dr. Greg Nye. I did a two-parter. Him and Dr. Stephanie Senoff and Dr. Peter McCullough published a paper about the intervention. And it looks like the intervention, and I've even heard McCullough say this, we don't know when it turns off, if it turns off. You know, it turns people into a spike protein factory, and we don't know if that turns off. So you're going to have to be on this stuff for the rest of your life if you're trying to just dissolve the spike protein. And yes, that is a whether it's the virus or the intervention, that is a very toxic part of this virus. It's a, it is toxic. It's a toxic protein and it's toxic whether you get infected naturally or not. It's a concern, but there are several other factors to this virus that are also quite concerning. And there's several other factors to the intervention that are quite concerning that have lasting impact too. So I'm just sharing this because if anyone's trying to bamboozle you and sell you some product and you think it's protecting you or detoxing you, I think that's a bunch of BS. And I, I'm, I haven't said anything up until now because I don't want to take hope away from people, but it's starting to piss me off, honestly. Like, I feel like they're trying to sell you snake oil. I'm not keen on that. It's not how this works. It's not how these interventions work. So anyway, that's, that's my two cents on that. I had a few other thoughts there. Yeah, I don't want to talk about any of this stuff on here. I'll, I'll bring it up in that same substack. We'll, we'll get to it. All this to say is I don't think you can detox it. Everyone asking me, how do I detox this? I don't think you can. I think it's having an impact in various ways inside our bodies that are not including DNA. Uh, we have some data on that as well via reverse transcriptase. Uh, it's not, I don't think it's detoxable. So I don't know how long anything lasts. Go, I did a, also an interview with Dr. Stephanie Senoff. We talked about this a little bit. Go, I'll make sure those episodes are linked up. Great episodes, worth a listen, hard to listen to, long. You're going to want to take notes and listen to them a few times, but brilliant people publishing data on topics around this that no one else really wants to talk about. So I'll leave it at that. I've already done the groundwork for you, so we won't beat that one. And as far as this like shedding goes, I'll tell you what I do know. We have data to show from the virus itself that you can shed antibodies. And I think this, I mean, at least I believe this to be commonly understood. I don't know if I've ever specifically read papers on it, but it's something my mentor taught me. When people are sick, they're going to have antibodies built and they're going to shed their own antibodies. This is again why we want to be around healthy people because healthy people are going to shed the kind of antibodies we want. We're inoculating each other as mammals, as creatures on the planet, right? So- it's like low-grade inoculation. And that's why also it's cool that this virus is getting more transmissible and chilling out because more people will be able to build natural immunity, but also hanging out with healthy people who are actively shedding their own proteins, their own healthy antibodies is going to it's going to rub off, it's going to help. And so we saw that with the actual virus itself. I don't know of any data. I do think something was published recently. I cannot remember. So much has come at me that it's hard to keep up. I do think something maybe was published recently showing it again with, yes, it, there was. I will, uh, I'll find that and put that in the Substack too. There was a paper, I, I believe in 2022, showing that specifically with the intervention. But this whole like, oh, I've, I've seen doctors, I've seen actual doctors get up on podiums and say, oh, people are shedding the spike protein. That, we have no data to support that claim. That is bogus. It, it just makes everything look bad. It, th that We don't have any data to show that. We have some data to speculate that. And also if you're shedding protein, meaning antibodies, and those antibodies are attached to a spike protein, there is definitely a potential that people could be shedding their spike proteins via their antibodies that are aerosolizing out of them. And in fact, I just found a study today before I made this podcast on clinicaltrials.gov where they are actually studying the aerosolized breath of people who've just been inoculated with the intervention to see what they're putting out. It's right now happening. So you can go to clinicaltrials.gov and look it up yourself. Um, so that's a thing. So there, I, I would suspect there's some potential there. Uh, what do I do? I... I actually don't go out very often and I don't hang out in crowds that I know. I don't hang out in Portland because I know everybody there is A, relatively unhealthy and B, mostly, you know, juiced. So I just stay away. 
And if I have to get on a flight or something, I just deal with it. I have used high dose enzymes, but I'm not, and I always feel crummy after I'm around people, you know, big groups of people. So I don't know what to say that I, I don't know what to tell you. If you're around people all day long who are all highly, you know, have, have partaken of the intervention multiple times, I don't, I have nothing to tell you that to help out there. But this is, I just wanted to say that I don't think that this supplement everyone's pushing is what it claims to be. And I don't think that this whole like certainty that people are shedding is fair to say, because we don't have the data to support that. It's a, it's a lot of rumors are going around in the freedom fighting community. And it's, I think it's making us all look bad. So that is what I got for you today. I My plan, as always, is to lift weights three times a week, sauna three to four times a week. We have certain data that that improves longevity and mortality. And we have data showing that it sauna helps you from actually getting pneumonia settling in. So we want to protect the lungs. Obviously, quit smoking if you're a smoker. Um, you know, cut back on your booze. It's not helping your immune system at all. Cut back on the ultra-refined carbohydrates, obviously. Kick the seed oils out of your diet. They are oxidizing you and not doing good things for you. I mean, all the obvious stuff. Get your protein grams in. I don't eat, I don't follow macros, but I definitely eat. I, I go for hitting my protein macros. I go for a gram of protein per pound of body weight. I rarely hit that, I will admit, but I try hard, man. And I I try to really emphasize that. I'm not too worried about my fat intake. I eat a lot of healthy fat. I eat, you guys all know how I eat. If you want more information about how I eat, I have a whole recipe guide inside my metabolic revamp toolkit that you can grab on my website or it'll be in the show notes. I take my vitamins. I take my supplements. Uh, I should probably do a whole podcast on my favorite supplements for this time of year. I really bone up on things right now. I'm trying to get a tan on. I'm trying to get my vitamin D up. I'm trying to make sure that, you know, zinc takes a long time to build up stores. So I'm making sure I'm, I'm starting to work on that as I go into fall. Fall is in the air for sure. And I want to make sure as I approach the upper respiratory season that I am in good shape. And then I have a whole winter crud cheat sheet that you guys can grab. You share your name and email with me and I, I will send it to you immediately. Um, it basically is the grand plan of how I get through any winter crud. And like I said, I was always that girl who got pneumonia. So this is how I've been doing it for years and years and years. This is how I help my family protect themselves. Everybody knows the gig. Come August, late August, we all start working on preparing for fall and winter so that we don't get sideswiped. So if you haven't been taking care of your health up until now, whew, get your shit together and if you have, good on you, keep it up. And again, remember, we don't want to overdo it. So it's not about going to boot camp or Orange Theory five times a week. Don't over-oxidize yourself. We're talking strength, muscle, some cardio, go for walks every day, get outside, ground, keep your stress in check as best you can. Because I know it's a crazy time, it's hard to do, but stress is really damaging to the immune system. And, you know... May the odds be ever in our favor. So with that, I will bid you adieu. I appreciate all of you guys. I hope nothing I said in here upset anybody. I know some of it can be hard to hear, but this is the reality that we're facing. And I'm just trying to keep it real with you. So as always, if you have any ideas or feedback for the podcast, you can email us, podcast at drtina.com. That's D-R-T-Y-N-A.com. I would love if you would subscribe to me here on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, I just started getting all my episodes up so you guys can go back and see all of those. Um, most of them are up, at least the first 50. I'm sorry, the most recent 50, I should say. And so check out YouTube if you haven't yet. It's a fun place to watch it. Most of them have video, lots of video you guys haven't seen that was recorded when these audios were made. And then of course, Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. It helps get the message out to everybody. And if you really want to know what's going on, subscribe to my Substack. My Substack's where it's at. That's where I will be giving you guys the deets behind the paywall for anything that's controversial because I do think the powers that be are going to start cutting heads off. And I don't really feel like having my head cut off, guys. So won't be playing pandemic. We'll be trying to keep you guys abreast, but I'm not playing into the psychosis anymore. I'm not playing into the fear. I'm not playing into the sensationalism. I'm just keeping myself healthy. I'm laying low. I'm trying to keep you guys healthy and along for the ride. And I appreciate y'all very much. 
Thanks for listening to The Dr. Tina Show. Please be sure to follow me on Instagram at Dr. Tina, that's D-R-T-Y-N-A, and Dr. Tina 2.0, as well as visit my website at drtina.com. This is a Resonant Media production produced by Drake Peterson and mixed by Chris McCone. The theme song is by John the Guilt. As always, you can email the show at podcast at drtina.com. And if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. See you next week. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practices of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. I am a doctor, but I am not your doctor. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content on this podcast is intended not to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice from any medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions. If you're looking to take back your health, it's time for you to listen to the Real Foodology podcast. From the producer of The Dr. Tina Show comes one of Apple Podcast's top 10 nutrition shows hosted by integrative nutritionist and real food activist Courtney Swan. The Real Foodology podcast is on a mission to change the way we eat. Courtney interviews doctors, food experts, health professionals, and nutrition pioneers to bring you the best info so you can thrive. Somewhere along the way, we lost sight of how impactful our food choices are. But it's never too late to start on the path of better health choices. You'd be so surprised how resilient our bodies are when we start taking care of them. Yes, it's overwhelming, but that's why Courtney's here to help. She breaks it down for you and makes the information more accessible so that you can make more informed decisions in the grocery aisle or restaurant. Listen to the Real Foodology podcast today on your favorite podcast app.